Hi, and welcome to Series 5, Episode 1 of the Canny Conversations podcast, powered by the Pathway Group. My name's Mark Wakeley, one of the team who bring you these podcasts. In this series, Saf will be talking to some of the business people he's met and worked with in his 23 years at the heart of the West Midlands business community. In the first of this new series of Canny Conversations, we focus on apprenticeships. Saf is joined in the first two episodes by Jade Pearson, new talent manager for Seven Trent and a member of the Multicultural Apprenticeship Alliance who shares her passion, experience and expertise. Their conversation explores apprenticeships as an important career option for young people, including practical advice and information about how to apply to Seven Trent. Saf and Jade explore how to stand out from the crowd in what can be a highly competitive process. We're using everything in your toolkit including both your school and out-of-school experience, can give you a real advantage. So, let's hear from Saf and Jade. Welcome to Canny Conversations podcast. Can you believe it? We're at Series 5. We've done more than 50 episodes and it's been a wonderful journey. And thank you for your support. Much, much appreciated. Thank you for all the feedback throughout the years. And we're changing uh, in Series 5. And now I'm the interviewer, as opposed to being the interviewee. I'm taking the hot seat in terms of uh, meeting our guests and interviewing. And we've got a uh, a good selection of people that we work with as Pathway Group, as you know, either the Multicultural Apprenticeship Alliance or Multicultural Apprenticeship Awards or our Festival of Apprenticeship Brands. Uh, we're bringing in this series leaders within the further education sector, the learning and development sector, HR professionals, CEOs, and people who are making a difference in the world of work, making a difference in the world of education and learning. And today we're kicking off with our first guest. Uh, she's a HR professional, a lady that uh, looks after new talent uh, management for Seven Trent Water. And I bring you uh, in today's episode, Jade Pearson, who's going to be joining me as my special guest. Hello, Jade. Wonderful to see you. And thank you for joining us at the Canny Conversations podcast, Series 5. You're our first guest today as well. Ah, oh, it's such a privilege. Thank you so much for inviting me along. Much appreciate all your support. We're big fans of yours. You've been supporting us, guiding us at the Multicultural Apprenticeship Alliance, Multicultural Apprenticeship Awards. You've been a big ambassador, a big supporter, and we had to start off with your good self. So thank you so much for joining us today. When I was doing my research on this and I noticed the fact that, you know, you, you did a degree in HR, you did I a did. master's in HR, but when I read a little bit about your career journey, you said you weren't sure exactly the fact that the route that you want to take. So I want to start off really getting to know yourself, yeah. your journey, your long history with working with Seven Trent, and also really the whole world of HR and how you as a person you know, we'll come to, we'll talk a little bit about Seven Trent World Water. We've got to give them a little bit of plug anyway. <laughs> but I want to start off really about, about you, Jade, first. Yeah, so absolutely. So talk, talk us through, please. Yeah, sure. So, um, God, I'll wind the clock back. So um, I loved school. I've always been quite a curious um, person. Yeah. So I loved learning, loved kind of absorbing lots of knowledge. I was one of those geeks that did my homework on time and my mum didn't need to tell me off. <laughs> um, but when I um, completed my GCSEs, I really yeah. just wasn't quite sure where I wanted to go or mm. what I wanted to do. Mm. I knew that I wanted to continue to, to learn no. about things. And I didn't really know about apprenticeships or, or anything else at the time. Mm. So I was kind of just, not forced, but 
just meandered down the A-level route because yeah. there wasn't really anything else yeah. that anyone talked about. Um, so I did a bit of a mixture. Um, I did English literature, hence okay. my love of reading and, yeah. and learning new things. I did uh, psychology because um, I like to understand the brain people. and what makes people tick and do the things that they do. Um, and then I did business studies. Okay. Um, and it was really business studies and one of my tutors that helped lead me into HR. Wow. Um, so when I got to the end of my A-levels, again, I was kind of thinking, what do I do now? Do I go straight into work? Do I go off to university? And it was around the sort of time that I think a lot of parents wanted their children to be the first ones to go yeah, to university. Yeah, um, so there was quite a lot of gentle nudging in that direction. Um, so I started to kind of explore university and what, what are the subjects? What am I interested in? What do I want to go and learn about for three years? And it was actually my business studies tutor that said, you always tend to do quite well on the HR-related case studies or the assignments. And I didn't even know what it was or, mm. you know, is that a thing? Um, so I started to do a little bit of research. Um, I was very fortunate that one of my mum's friends worked in HR. Okay. So I could have a conversation with her. Um, she told me a little bit about what she did on a day-to-day -day basis. And I thought... That sounds quite interesting. Why not go and learn a little bit more about it? Okay. And that was That's it. the start of the journey. Yeah. That, yeah. That's about the level of career guidance or um So it's very informal. It's very informal, you know, friend of a family yeah. and then you know, obviously your tutor who was inspiration to you and sort of guided you down that particular route. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. And I think then I, um, you know, I trotted off to university. So um, I grew up in Hertfordshire, so I was born in Letchworth. Okay. Um, so spent um, the first part of my life there. Then I went off to uh, live in Leicester. So oh. I went to De Montford University. Um, so really big transition in terms of moving from like a small town into a bigger city and all of that wonderful stuff. Um, and I did two years of learning HR mm. from textbooks, from lecturers. Mm. Um, and I'll be honest, I got a bit bored mm. of learning how to recruit, motivate, develop and train people from, from textbooks. From books, yeah. 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 So I thought I need, I need to be practical. I need to go and spend some time in industry and actually learn how people mm. do this for real like mm. what's the actual job in hr what yeah. do people do frontline yeah. exactly yeah. exactly that yeah. um so de montford were brilliant they really encourage people to do year in industry placements wow. um so off i went to a couple of interviews and i was lucky enough to be offered a, a year in industry placement with Conver team so quite a small medium-sized engineering company uh, yeah. based in rugby so mm. again midlands yeah. um stayed within the kind of midlands area um but that was a great placement because unlike some of my um friends Friends. and other peers that kind of went off and did stuff but were shuffling paperwork and maybe doing lower level work yeah. i was given responsibility from day one so i was responsible for um the graduate program uh, engineering graduate program they did summer placements and year in industries and i was thrown in at the deep end right, right off you go you need to recruit next year's intake okay. including your successor okay well <laughs> future um, planning yeah. yeah exactly so it was it was brilliant because yeah. i learned so many skills um relationship building needed to get my head around what the business actually did so that i could go out and talk about it at recruitment fairs and careers fairs and i also wanted to i don't think i really thought about making my mark at the time mm. but 
again, I think it's that natural curiosity. I quite like to make things better. Mm. Um, so if I can see a way of doing something quicker, faster, better experience for people, then I, I tend to naturally kind of navigate towards that. Um, so I um, introduced assessment centres there mm. um, for the first yeah. time. So okay. that was my kind of little baby that I left behind. That was your input. And, you yeah. Know, okay, yeah. Fantastic. So it was great. I walked back into university with tons of practical experience. Was it easy to revert back to uni? You know, you know, no, after, after I really the... had to dig deep yeah. um, to go back. Um, yeah. But I am a bit of a natural completer finisher. So okay, I wanted good. to go back. I wanted to do my dissertation. I yeah. wanted to see out my final year. Yeah. And again, uh, I was very, very lucky that my year in industry placement led me back. So at the end of the uh, the year, they mm. they said to me, we'd love you to come back and join us. Okay. So go off, complete year last year. There can't uh, be many people university. who can say that, you know, well, you've made such a dent and such a such a difference that they, they yeah. want you back. And I think they yeah. want I, I think they wanted me to be a bit of a guinea pig, in oh, all really? honesty. Okay. Um so they'd only ever run engineering graduate programs mm. and at the time they were looking to broaden that out into some of the support functions. So they wanted me to be the graduate HR guinea pig. Okay. So, um, so, so yeah, you, so I was, I was offered to go back. Wow. So you finished your honours degree and you moved on to a master's as well in HR. I did, yeah. yeah. For somebody <laughs> that didn't like the academic HR. side of university. <laughs> That's a real commitment to yeah, HR, isn't it? Yeah. I, I think, again, it's it's that kind of natural curiosity. Mm. Um, so I went in, um, I was doing my job. I'd done that for probably about 18 months, two years or something. And I thought... I just want to push myself, push myself yeah. a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started to have a look at what else is there that mm-hmm. can kind of test me, challenge me, help me to continue to grow. Yeah. Um, and I, I stumbled across an MA in HR, so I okay. thought, why not collect that badge as well? Did the uh, employer at the time, you know, did they support you? They within, did, within, yeah, they were great. So my within. HR director at the time, there was me and my um, my other colleague who both wanted to do it um, okay, and fantastic. the company company funded us and wow. it was um, it was a nighttime course so we used to go six till nine on a Monday wow. evening those and are then, the days uh, yeah exactly yeah, and then all the of the reading uh, and the assignments, the assignments around it yeah so don't yeah. get me wrong I was very, I was very grateful when living, that, that living, was over <laughs> yeah, <so laughs> yeah living and breathing HR exactly know. yeah fantastic. but no it was um, was really proud to um, to have achieved that okay yeah. and what was that ambition at the time you know if you talk about HR did you think there were many sort of career paths and did you get an idea of you know what potentially this is my lifelong career yeah I think I did so yeah. that that kind of taster in that year in industry placement I think started a bit of a fire in me wow. um that HR was the place that I could kind of see me um growing up in and progressing in and adding value to I guess okay if we fast forward to seven trend then in terms of your experience with seven trend because you've been on the career ladder of seven trend within the HR field how does yeah. that mean for you you know it's a you know large uh, public listed corporation yeah. you know, multinational in some aspects of it uh, how's that sort of yeah, they've they've been a, a, an absolutely brilliant employer, and I think um, when I fir- when I first was offered the job there, um, I was a very ignorant customer, so I didn't really know who Seven Trent were, what they did. Yeah. I just knew that I paid a water bill to them, yeah. um, so I was absolutely amazed when I went in and just started to learn all the different teams, the different roles, the things that people do behind the mm. scenes to make sure that we all get 
water um and when we flush the the loo or you know um, throw things down the sink i hadn't even imagined what happened Mm. um to that that water um so it was just again my curiosity i think was peaked looking underneath the bonnet and you see you know all the the sort of complications i think i I spent my probably my first two years just going wow i didn't even know that job existed or oh my god we actually employ people to to To, do this activity yeah Yeah. Yeah. and i went in so I've always been a, a bit of a HR generalist. So um, when I was with Combo Team and then GE, um, I was a bit of a, you know, not maverick, but had my fingers in all sorts of pie, pie. So a little bit of recruitment, a bit, little bit of L&D, business partnering, um, employee guidance and change programs, that type of thing. Um, and then I stuck with generalist when I first went into Seven Trent. So spent quite a few years partnering different parts of the business. Mm. But I've always had a, a real passion um, for learning development, talent management, and just, I guess, seeing the potential in people and wanting to help them to achieve that full potential okay. and progress in their own careers. And it's what I loved about managing the graduate program, seeing that graduate day one to coming off program and then their own personal progression oh, really? of where their career took okay. them. So when I was um, given the opportunity to step across and head up new talent at Seven Trent, I couldn't believe that I got to do that job full time. So you've been with the organisation with Seven Trent now for nearly 10 years. It's yeah. uh, And recently, obviously, you, you talked about the new talent role, but you've also mentioned the previous sort of roles. And uh, so just talk about the field of HR because there are many paths and many sort of routeways. Yeah. So, you know, starting off with the current role, what does that entail? What does that look like? And some of the other sort of routeways and pathways that people can pursue a career in in the field of HR. Yeah, definitely. So um, we call it new talent at Seven Trent. Other people might call it early careers, emerging talent, future talent. But effectively, me and my team will partner and work with schools, colleges, universities in our region. So we want to be out there in front of predominantly young people helping to raise the profile of careers in the water industry, inform people of all of the choices that they've got kind of post-GCSE, post-A-levels, post-university, whatever Mm. route they've chosen to take so that they can make really meaningful, informed career decisions. And that's important to me because I didn't have that um so i want to be part of of that for other people um so we do that um we also then um run the selection process for all of our new talent programs and then we run the day-to-day management of our apprenticeship work experience intern um, and graduate programs Um, so typically people on our programs are kind of anywhere between 16 and 25 i would say But we do have people that choose to join us um, via apprenticeships as second jobbers, opportunity to change career, change industry. So the profile of people that are um, joining our programs is is starting to to change and shift as well, which is great to see. 
So, Jay, talk a little bit about the team. I mean, you know, there's, you know, you talk about your team, and there's many yeah. other people within that team. So, what, what's the structure within within the business at the moment? Yeah, so we're so we're quite a small team. Mm. Um, so I have I have somebody that heads up attraction and selection for us. Okay. Um, I've got somebody that then leads and runs our apprenticeship programs. Okay. Um, and that is typically higher volumes um, than we see in the graduate space. Okay. Um, I then have somebody that leads our graduate programs. Okay. Um, so we've got around eight nine programs now that we've grown over the last four or five years and then i have some coordinators um who help make everything happen um, in the background the the nuts and bolts on getting things things done yeah Um, and we're we're very lucky that we've got somebody in the team that is purely focused on kind of schools engagement and work experience because that's really important to us that that we create those opportunities. And how, and how are you finding the, school, the schools and colleges in terms of their engagement with you know, employers, and particularly in terms of the apprenticeship route? Yeah, I mean, it was tricky, like like everybody, it was very tricky through mm. COVID because yeah. um, that just changed the landscape for everybody. Yeah. But we've... We've taken a bit of a step back and reviewed our kind of strategy and what partnerships we want from from schools, colleges, and universities. So where are the where are the people that are underrepresented? That are I don't like the term, but harder to reach. Harder to reach yeah. Who who are those young people that don't have the support or the connections to an organisation like us? And how do we get in and, and and help those those people? So we've looked at the hundreds of schools and colleges across our region, and really from a data led approach, looked at well what schools have got higher percentage than average preschool meals, um, what schools and colleges are in um, higher areas of deprivation. Mm. Let's really prioritise partnering and, and getting into those schools. So it's very targeted in terms of your, your absolutely, approaches. yeah. Okay, yeah, so I think uh, one of the things that we aim to be and everything that we do in New Talent is purposeful. So mm. we want to make sure that we're really adding value and having the impact that we want on the people in our communities. So you talked about, you know, the sectional process. I mean, uh, one of the, uh, you know, when I'm generally talking to people, uh, they'll all talk about being inundated. If you talk about you know people who are in the field, uh, professionals, they talk about, you know, we get application after application. Mm. And again, at the same side, people realise that they're in competition with many others. So how does uh, a young person or an individual, when they're applying to an organisation like yourselves, who you know has got so many job opportunities, yeah. and so your brand is well recognised, people you know understand that you know there's opportunities there, they've believed in terms of the the vision the organisation has and and so forth. But how do you stand out? What does that look like yeah. uh, from both sides, if you can? Yeah, absolutely. So I think I think the first thing to say is it's tough and yeah. we recognise that it's tough mm. um, and it's tough for employers as well as individuals and yeah. young people. Um, so there's the challenges of an employer on how do you stand out um, and although we, we are a big brand name, mm. uh, we're a FTSE 100 company, yeah. really people in the region don't really know who we are Um, if we're lucky they might be particularly engaged they know that um, they pay a bill to us and we provide them a service Mm. but quite a lot and definitely younger people don't really know who we are um, Mm. or what we do and if they do they've got a very narrow view of 
of who we are and what we do and the types of roles and careers that are available. Okay. Um, so it's our challenge to get out there and to really educate and inform people on the types of entry routes that are available into our industry, whether that's an apprenticeship, whether it's coming and spending a mm. week's work experience with us, um, whether it's through our graduate programs okay. um, or as a direct entry how do they join an industry like ours and, and what are the career opportunities and progression routes? So from an employer perspective, it's a challenge for yeah. us to kind of educate and get that across. From an individual or a young person's perspective, we, and I'm a real strong advocate for this, we use something called strengths-based recruitment. Mm. So we don't use the traditional competency-based recruitment okay. because that can cause bias yeah. because naturally the way that the questions are structured mm. they're asking people to demonstrate examples examples yeah. and skills and knowledge and experience that a 16 or an 18 year old is just not going to have so yeah. it's automatically unfair uh, or favoring those mm. people that have got networks and have been able to um, access work experience so Strengths-based recruitment effectively looks at the level of engagement that an mm. individual has got um, and their potential. Um, and that is really closely aligned to our values as an organization. So mm. we want to make sure that it's the right fit mm. um, and that the individual's really motivated and excited about the opportunities with us. So, so they're the things that we look at. So whenever I'm asked, um, mm. what advice would you give to people? I always start with, authenticity so mm. be yourself um, and I've learned this through my career I've, I've tried to be other people or look at people and go oh well, I'll just borrow that bit of what they do mm. because that looks really good but it it didn't suit me or it didn't fit me because it's not who I am and it's against my core values. So I would always start with be yourself be authentic that's who we want to see in the recruitment process. Mm. I think don't worry, don't compare yourself to other people. And again, this is something that I've kind of learned over the years is be the best you. <laughs> don't try and beat anybody else. Um, just, just be the best you because that's all you've got. And I think just bring into life, I think one of the things that really comes across, particularly with school children that we talk to and support, they have got experience or examples that they can talk about mm. that demonstrate the resilience that they've got or the good communication skills that they've got but because they haven't got them in a work environment they don't see the value of them whereas actually you know if you've played football then you're great yeah. at teamwork you've yeah. got discipline you've got dedication and commitment to something if you've been in clubs after school, like ex exactly the same. So it's helping young people to realise they actually have quite a lot in their toolkit already. Mm. They just don't see it, they don't realise it, and they don't know how to to talk about it or share it. So, Jade, in terms of you know uh, the whole application process and what what does that look like? You know, is it once a year? Is it ongoing? You know, how you know what's what you know what does that look like as well? With regard to all the different areas that you've got, is it you know different departments that recruit at different times, and just some practical 
yeah. practicalities, really. If you yeah, go. absolutely. So um, we've got part of our recruitment team that are always on. So at the point that we have a vacancy, we call it experienced hires. So it's right. typically people that have already got previous experience or knowledge in a particular role or, or skill set. So we'll recruit at the point of need in those areas. Um, for our new talent programs, mm. typically they're annual so we would bring our apprentices in end of August. We would bring our graduates in end of September. Same with our year in industry. And then our work experience is kind of cohorted um, throughout the year. Um, but we are exploring with the business um, if that model still suits us, mm. whether we need a more flexible approach. Do we mm. need a couple of intakes a year? How do we create that kind of agility and flexibility as the business needs grow to bring in out of season um, okay. cohorts of apprentices okay. and graduates into our organisation? I mean, I think you touched on the fact that you've got more apprentices now than graduates. Is that is that been a recent shift or has that been something that... Yeah, I think it's been quite a... Um, a- gradual growth over the last three four years and I think that's been born from a couple of things I think there's more education Mm. in the organization now about apprenticeships so uh, myself and one of my colleagues that heads our um, academy which is our L&D team up Mm. did a bit of a roadshow over the last couple of years so speaking to our executive team speaking to our board our senior management team educating them on the levy how it works how much are we actually Mm. investing and using as an organization matching it against our external training budget did Mm. you know actually that apprenticeships exist in this space Mm. and you could be creating jobs at Mm. the same time Mm. as utilizing the levy so all of those conversations have happened over the last couple of years which has been great because with education comes better decision making Um, so we saw some natural growth kind of year on year through that and then we're at quite a pivotal point in our AMP cycle so we work in five year cycles in the water industry so we're already starting to look at in the next AMP cycle what are the key capabilities what are the key skills and talent that we're going to need to deliver Mm -hmm. our service and beyond Mm -hmm. and we need to start making some no regrets decisions to start to develop that capability through apprenticeships through graduate programs so there's been some natural growth through that as well so in terms of your internal customers all these departments uh, the department heads and departments that you're talking to Mm. some are probably more engaged and somebody up some are some are probably less engaged not fully aware what's your general advice in terms of to those employers internal employers you know the benefits of going down the apprenticeship route for them and and are you able to sort of quantify that and sort of encourage with possibly some data some stats or some sort of guidelines and, and there's, a, there's a lot of um there's a lot of talk about return on investment at the yeah. moment across the um, early careers new talent whatever you call it in your organization yeah. and i'm quite a data-led individual so yeah. always start with Evidence. measurement yeah. absolutely um and for us the business benefits are our apprentices the retention rate is fantastic so i think i looked and uh, since 20 14, I think it was, something like yeah. that. We've had about 500 apprentices join um, oh. our organization. 82% of those are still with us. So retention, loyalty is huge. They bring innovation. They bring fresh thinking. They're driving business performance. Um, we've run something called a challenge cup where we ask for innovative ideas and the winner then 
is able to kind of develop that prototype or that thought. Um, and quite often it's our apprentices or our graduates that will be coming up with those new ways of thinking. So it's a way of us just keeping fresh and keeping moving and, and driving performance as an organisation. Just the last thing on in terms of your own internal recruitment, what, what are the numbers in terms of how many people do you recruit on an annual basis in terms of your apprenticeships and graduates? Can you just give us an idea? Yeah, of course. So this year um, we are bringing in, uh, I think it's about 110, 120 apprentices. Okay. Um, and that is across, I think we've got more than 30 different apprenticeship standards we're okay. now using. So okay. real lot, breadth. There, yeah. yeah. Um, so everything from operations, maintenance, engineering, technology, HR, finance. We've got um, apprentices that are um, training to be solicitors. Um, so a real, real breadth of apprenticeships that we, we now offer. Um, and then from a graduate perspective, around 65 um, we're bringing in this year across about eight different programs. And then we've got a variety of kind of year in industry and intern opportunities so, as so well. So heavy, heavy investment in apprenticeships. And, you know, you're talking probably about fourfold. Yeah. Um, you know, massive investment in apprenticeships. So, yeah, congratulations on that. Thank you. Uh, that brings us, bring me, brings me to the Multicultural Apprenticeship Alliance and the Multicultural Apprenticeship Awards that you've been associated with for five, six years now as an organization. And obviously, we're very grateful of the partnership. It just shows commitment to, to the cause in terms of social mobility and you know you said you've got a very targeted approach in terms of targeting mm. uh, underrepresented communities or harder to reach communities yeah uh, talked a little bit about the engagement with multicultural apprenticeship alliance and what was the thought process and and really the benefits of aligning and working together mm. in this arena well i think from from day one there was a a shared passion mm. i think that was um, definitely the baseline so yeah. trying to educate inspire um, not just individuals but other employers as mm. well so how do we get more people trying to create opportunities to educate on apprenticeships to see that attracting and supporting and recruiting diverse talent mm is of value to everybody, to businesses, to individuals, to communities. Um, if we're doing it, we're all thriving. Um, so I think there was definitely a shared passion of mm. what we were both trying to mm. achieve and do. And it just felt like the perfect natural partnership to, yeah. to come together yeah. um, and do it at scale. Yeah, I mean, we're obviously very grateful. I mean, you've supported us and you've been very active as well. It's not just been a tick box exercise. And I can say, vouch to say, you know, it's been very engaged from your perspective. And, you know, you're always there. Uh, encouraging and motivating, inspiring us. So really appreciate appreciate. Well, it's a true partnership, that, yeah. definitely. The second half of SAF's conversation with Jade Pearson will be out next week, where they talk further about her work with Seven Trent. If you're new to the podcast, then let me tell you there are already 58 episodes out there and you can listen to all the past episodes by searching for Canny Conversations on your preferred podcast platform or go to 1386audio.com forward slash have a listen and just click on the Canny Conversations picture. We'd also like you to review, subscribe or follow the podcast and please tell your friends and colleagues about us. If you'd like to know more, then go to cannyconversationspodcast.co.uk or go to SAF's website, safraz.co.uk. SAFRAS has also written a series of easy-to-follow business books, Canny Bites. 
and these are available from cannybites.co.uk forward slash by the book. We'll be back next week with the second half of SAS Chat with Jay Pearson. So until then, have a good week. This is a 1386 audio production.